jump into the series today, I have the best worst first date story for you. Did you follow that? That was a lot of words. The best worst first date story. And I promise it connects us to the series. Okay, so I want you to picture me, my freshman year of high school. Okay, and I think we have some high schoolers in the room. So, you know, freshman year, I had not been on a date before. And this person who shall remain nameless, because this is a very public world that we live in, asked me to go out on a date with him. And I had had a crush on this guy for a little while. And so I said, yes. I didn't even care where he was taking me. I just said, yes. And I need you to know that he took me to the local church production of Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Did anybody here ever go to one of those? I mean, this was 23 years ago. Anybody online comment, tell us, or is this just my own Southern Alabama? I see one hand that kind of went up like this in the back of the room. Yeah, okay, this is still happening. There's one on April 4th, somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the South, but you don't need the details. Okay, picture a production trying to literally scare the you-know-what out of you. I mean, the job of the whole production was to terrify you. The main character was the devil, the whole production. And then at the very end, Jesus showed up. Now I tell you this story and I can kind of make light of it now. It's more cringeworthy than funny. I was thinking last night that I probably was on this person's list his like, get them saved list. I don't know why it took me 23 years to connect those dots and put it together, but it did. I think it's been 23 years. Anyhow, what I wanted to share with you today is as I think back to that worst first date ever story, that night had zero impact on me. I didn't say yes to their version of God and Jesus. I didn't experience being saved that night. In fact, it really just had no effect on me at all. It didn't offer me hope. It didn't offer me security. You know, for me and who I was at the time, there was nothing they were gonna present on that stage about what they believed about God and believed about the afterlife that was going to be scarier or more terrifying than the reality that I was living at the time. That's just part of my story. From as young as I can remember, my childhood was filled with awful, awful things. Abuse and neglect, violence, poverty. And so heaven's gates and hell's flames, talk to me about my life today. Talk to me about now. And a year later, I met a Jesus that I wanted to say yes to. A year later, a friend from school invited me to this tiny little church in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. And it was in that church where I discovered a picture of God that was completely different from heaven's gates and hell's flames. I discovered a picture of God 
who was not far away from me and distant from my life and my story and my hurt, but that was as close as the air that I breathe. The one that the Apostle Paul tells us is in whom we live and move and have our being. I discovered a God who was not angry at me, but kind and compassionate towards me. I discovered a God who was not indifferent to my pain and my story, but a God who was desiring to work in my life to bring freedom and new life and healing along the way. And 15-year-old Carissa was like, sign me up. I wanna jump in all the way. I'm all in with this Jesus. We have a video of this Jesus that I want you to see this morning. A young mother had a son, a kind-hearted boy who always tried to do what's right. As he grew older, he worried about others more than himself. Whenever he saw anyone suffering, he tried to heal and comfort them, but more people became sick. Disease ravished the land. People were quarantined, isolated. Many didn't survive. It became too much, and he had to isolate himself. He cried as he thought about all the unbearable things the people were going through. The mental anguish racked him with sorrow, but it was his cross to bear. part of a series of commercials that you may or may not have heard of. We started to talk and have a conversation about them last weekend. And what we want to acknowledge is that there is controversy on both sides of these commercials, some of which is asking some very valid questions. What we wanted to do with you in this series here at Rancho is have a conversation around our ideas and our pictures of God. And last week, when Scott got us started, he talked to us about how Jesus came to rebrand God. He came to change our minds about God. And this was relevant to the Jewish people 2,000 years ago, relevant to culture outside of Judaism 2,000 years ago. And it's still relevant to us today. What we think about God has a bigger impact on our life and our relationships and our well-being than just about anything else. And so here we are in 2023, and Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames is still a real thing, although there may only be five girls getting tricked into going there on a date this year. I don't know. It may not be a huge production anymore, but this theology, this picture of God is still prevalent. Part of my job over the last couple of decades has been this privilege to help choose curriculum for kids and teens in different places. And I can remember a few years ago, someone coming to me and saying, Carissa, we have to start this midweek program for our kinder through fifth grade students. And if I told you the name of it, many of you would know what I'm talking about. You would have grown up going. Maybe you even had your kids go through it. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna 
put my preconceived notions at the door and I'm gonna actually watch the first video. I'm gonna watch the curriculum. And I pushed play and I'm picturing my own school-aged children at the time being in the room listening to this. And it's telling them that they are sinners, horrible sinners, and Jesus came to die a horrible death to save them from their sins. And I went, stop. No, 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 no. This is not the picture of God that Jesus came to give to us. And so if that has been your picture of God, I wanna invite you to maybe see something different today, not because of what I say, but because of the words of Jesus that we find in the scripture, in the book of Matthew. You see, we must continue to look to that Jesus, to the words of Jesus, to the picture of Jesus, to define our picture of God. Jesus says to us, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the full expression of God the Father. And so Jesus came and do you know that not one time did he ever preach or teach or talk about, talk about, <laughs> or talk about eternal conscious torment? Not one time did he preach a gospel about heaven's gates and hell's flames. The only time that we have in the words of Jesus, him describing eternal life, this is what he says. It's in John chapter 17. He says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, Jesus didn't teach much about life after death. He focused most of his attention on life now. The kingdom of heaven is here now. But I think he knew that we would want to know what happens after we die and that sometimes we'd feel some anxiety around that and even some fear around that. So he didn't leave it off the table completely. In some moments we see Jesus teaching us that we will never see or taste death. At the end of the gospel stories, when Jesus is on the cross, he looks to the person beside him and he says, today I will meet you in paradise. And so he gives us enough that there's a ton of mystery, but we can trust that it's good. And we can trust that we don't need to be afraid. So if Jesus didn't teach a heaven's gates and hell's flames kind of gospel, kind of theology, then what did he teach? We read in the gospels, Jesus saying to us, I did not come to be served, I came to serve. Now, when we think of this idea of Jesus serves us, many of you may start to bristle a little bit. And I want you to know that I get it. Many of us have grown up with this tradition of this heavy weight of I serve God and I do for God and I need to obey God and I need to please God and I need to make sure that I'm doing all of the things for God. And so this idea of Jesus saying, I have not come so that you would serve me, but I've come to serve you. It creates this kind of tension in ourselves. Some of you may be experiencing your heart start to race or maybe you're experiencing like something in the pit of your stomach. I just wanna acknowledge that. And I wanna invite you to stay with me. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus today. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna read through this passage of scripture in the book of Matthew. And then we're gonna have a little bit of a vocabulary lesson which I know sounds as boring as nails. 
but would you trust me that this is so vitally important for your life and for your relationships and for your well-being? Because what happens is as we have scripture that gets translated from an ancient language into modern English today, there's a lot that gets lost in translation. I see this very practically when we're planning sermon series as a team. We have Rancho in Espanol. And Ernie, our pastor of REE, will say to us, that sounds like a great series title, but we don't have a word for that in Spanish. So I got to figure that out. It's a little bit of what we do sometimes with the scripture. So we're going to talk about what some of these words mean, and then we'll read the scripture one more time with some new awareness. And then we're going to talk about what does this mean? What does this mean, Carissa, for my life today, for the places that are hard in my life today, for the pain that I'm carrying today, for my relationships? So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 9. We're in verse 9 through 13. And it says, And Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice. For I have come to call, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, can we start with Matthew? Because there may be some of you in here who are going, Carissa, I, I, I want a clearer picture of God, but how do I know I can even find that in the scripture? I mean, wasn't that written 2,000 years ago by people who don't have a digital account that we can fact check? I mean, Carissa, how can I trust? that this gives me a clear picture of God. I can't give you the full explanation today, but I wanna give you just a couple of things that help me to feel confident that this scripture gives me a reliable picture of God. So Matthew in the story is also who authored the book of Matthew, same Matthew there. So we're getting a first person account of the way that Jesus interacted with these people and the way that Jesus spoke to them. So we have a first person account of all of this, which is important, that has made the journey with us now a couple thousand years later. The other thing that I find fascinating here is that Matthew, who is writing about his own story, does not make himself a hero in the story. He doesn't downplay his issues in the story. He just allows us all to know right away that he's kind of one of the villains in the story. He's not a good guy in the story. The other piece that helps me to feel confident about the scripture is it is so antithetical to Jewish culture at the time and first century Roman culture at the time. That religious leaders, that a religious rabbi like Jesus would associate with these kind of people is not something that your followers would wanna write down and save for us to read about in 2023. So let's start with the tax collectors. Who are the tax collectors? Why are they important? Think of the tax collectors as whoever is on your worst of the worst list. We all have a list. 
It's those people that we don't wanna have anything to do with, those people who we would never associate with. They are the worst of the worst. Their evil cannot even be described. I mean, this is who the tax collectors were in first century Jewish culture. The worst of the worst. This is who Jesus is eating with. This is who he's having an intimate conversation with. This is who he has invited to follow him and then now write one of his gospel stories. Okay, what about sinners? We're gonna spend a little bit of time on this word and on the word sin because I think these words have, I think sometimes they have been used to wound instead of to help. And so sinners, those of us who are not yet fully free from the effects of sin. This would be the best original definition we have. This is not our identity. It's not who we are. Who we are is beloved children of God created in the image of God. And we are also not yet fully free from the effects of sin. Now, in order to really understand this, we have to understand what the heck is sin. What is it? And some of us grew up thinking that sin is what separates us from God. I want you to consider this. Now, this is not the Greek, this is Carissa. So I want you to know this. This is me after years of study and wrestling with different theologians and authors and experience and prayer and all the things going, God, what is this thing that we talk so much about but none of us can really like wrap our heads around? I mean, I wanted to be able to explain this to my kids who are asking me questions, my teenagers who are asking me questions. Sin is the ways that we experience harm and the ways that we harm ourselves and others. It's a part of being human. If you think of sin, it's the ways that we have been harmed by others, the way that we are harmed and will be harmed, and then the ways that we harm ourselves and harm others. It's what we think separates us from God. Now remember, Jesus came to change the way that we think about God. Now I wanna point you to why I think we think the wrong thing about sin. I want you to go back to Genesis with me. The origin story that helps us understand who we are and who we're created to be. So God has created Adam and Eve. Do you remember this? And he creates them and he says, they're what? They're good. Not just good, but they're very good. And that they're created in God's image. Do you remember this part? And then what happens when they eat the apple? They do what? They sin. And then do you remember what they did next? They hid. They harmed themselves. They experienced harm. They harmed themselves and then they hid. Do you remember what God did? He went after them. He went looking for them. Where are you? He calls out to them in their hiding, in their sin. He says, where are you? Where have you gone? He goes looking for them. friends. We think our sin separates us from God, but we see in the creation story that God, he's coming after us. He's chasing us down with love and goodness and compassion over and over and over again. Okay, the next word, we're back to the Greek definitions. We're out of Carissa definitions, okay? The healthy people. He says, I haven't come to call the healthy. That can mean strong. I have not come to call those who are strong. Doctor, 
literally in the Greek means to heal. This is like a physician who bandages up our wounds, who makes us well again. And then those who are ill, this can be someone who is sick, sore, or the word that I find the most compelling here that was new for me is miserable. I have come to call those who are sick, sore, or miserable. I was thinking this week as I went through the scripture, this reminds me of lingering pain. We all have some lingering pain because of the sin and the harm that has been done to us. We carry with us lingering pain and Jesus says, I have come to help mend that lingering pain. And then mercy, okay, so this is another important part of the passage. Mercy here literally means active compassion. Jesus is, I'm actively suffering with you. And then mercy. This was in the Greek dictionary this week and I wanna read it to you because I think it is so important as we begin to discover what this picture of God is. It said, mercy is a free gift related to the misery that sin brings. God's tender, can you just feel that word, that his tender sense of our misery displays itself in his efforts, not ours, his efforts to lessen and entirely remove it. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is another word that we don't really use very often. We don't have a lot of context for. In the original language, it's an act of offering, the act or the victim. Because in Jewish culture, and even in first century religious culture, in order to appease the gods, plural, or the God, Jewish God, our God, we had to sacrifice animals, people even. There had to be a payment for the wrong that we do. Jesus is saying, I desire mercy, not your sacrifices. And then the word call, this one is really good. This is another word that gets lost as we translate to English. The richness of it gets lost. It literally means a divine call to partake in the blessing of redemption. This is an invitation to partake and the blessing of the redemption of our pain, the redemption of our suffering, the redemption of our stories. And so what, what is redemption? Another word we don't use very often. Redemption is to be saved from sin, error, and evil. To be saved from sin, error, and evil. So the lingering pain that you and I have in our life, and we all have it, Jesus says, I have come to call you, to offer you this blessing of redemption. And then the righteous, this is another one. This word gets lost in translation quite a bit and it can mean different things in different places in the scripture. What Jesus is saying here is those who think they are right. Those who think they are right. So let's read the scripture together now that we have some of this in our minds and in our hearts. So while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, this is not a church service, this is an intimate dinner where they are doing life, they are in community, these are his people. Many tax collectors, the worst of the worst, and sinners, basically the rest of us, who have been harmed along the way and who out of that harm, harm ourselves and harm others, 
tax collectors and sinners, they came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the religious leaders, the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with those people, with tax collectors and sinners, those who know they have been wounded and harmed, those who know that they sometimes wound and harm. And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy or the strong who need a doctor or a healer, but those who are ill, those who are sick, those who are miserable, those who have lingering wounds. But I want you to go and I want you to learn what this means. And Jesus quotes a scripture from Hosea. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It literally is translated, I take pleasure. I take delight in giving away compassion to you. It is my greatest delight to give you compassion in the midst of your hurt, to give away compassion in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your woundedness, the ones that have been done to you and the ones that you create. I don't want your sacrifices. That's pretty different than what many of us grew up learning about God. He says, for I have not come to invite to healing and redemption, those who think they are right. Because if you think you're right, you're not gonna be in a place to invite healing and to invite redemption. That's a tricky part of this. But I have come to call the sinner. Those who are not yet free from the effects of the harm that has been done to us, the harm that we do to ourselves and the harm that we do to others. Friends, Jesus serves us in our sin, in the ways that we have been harmed, in the ways that we harm ourselves and others, he shows up with compassion and he serves us. So what does this teach us about God? I have two things that I wanna give you today. There could be so much more, but what does this picture Jesus paints for us of God teach us about God? No matter what you've experienced, no matter what you do or will do, you are completely safe with God your story, who you are, where you are, what you have done, what you will do, you are completely safe with your heavenly father who desires mercy and mercy and mercy and mercy for you. The second thing that I think Jesus teaches us about God here is no matter what you have experienced, no matter what has been done to you, no matter how horrific it was or is, no matter what you will do or have done to harm yourself or harm others, you are invited into compassion and you are invited into the redemption of your story. You are offered redemption over and over and over again without end. This is good news. This is the best news. This is the news that I said yes to at 15 years old that has continued to change and transform my life and has allowed me to have freedom and more freedom and then more freedom from the ways that I was harmed and have been harmed and the ways that I sometimes harm myself and harm others. So how do we respond? I cannot give you three ways 
to say yes to compassion and redemption in your story. Because what I do know is this, what it looks like in my life, it will be completely different in your life. The way that God works this out in us is so unique to who we are. But I know he does it because I've seen it in my life over and over again. And I have been so privileged the last couple of decades to partner with others and watch God do it in their lives and in their stories. So a couple of suggestions. We just turn to God. God, help me trust you. Help me trust that this picture of you as safe, as someone who offers compassion and redemption for our stories, help me to trust that it's true. God, help me to see Will you help me to see the places that have been wounded and broken? Help me to see the ways that I sometimes wound myself and others. Because if we can't see, and sometimes it's incredibly painful to see, it's hard for us to experience freedom. Jesus, help me see. And then help me follow you into community. I don't know any one story that has experienced compassion and mercy and redemption where the individual flew completely solo. It happened in the context of community with other Christ followers who could surround and be Jesus to them with skin on. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, let the person who cannot be alone beware of community and let the person who is not in community beware of being alone. We need both in order to be centered with God. And so the worship team's gonna come out, they're gonna lead us in a final song. And what I want to invite you to do is they lead us in this final song is just take some time to reflect on what you heard from Jesus today, his words in the scripture. Dion chose a song for us this morning that is, takes this complex idea and just simplifies it. And it says, Jesus is the answer for the world today in his mercy, in his redemption, in the way that he shows up in our lives, he is the answer. It's gonna look different, practically speaking, for all of us, but can we turn to him today and just consider the question, God, where is there some lingering pain in my life? Where do you desire to serve me? Not from this selfish or self centered place, but from a place of going, I know I'm not okay all the time. And I need a physician. I need a healer. So where is there some lingering pain in my life? Let's pray. God, we just ask that you would help us to trust this picture that Jesus paints of you, of a God who is compassionate and merciful that does not desire our sacrifice but that invites us into redemption. God, help us to see the places that you long to bring healing. Give us the courage to do so. And then help us follow you into community to be honest and vulnerable as we saw you be honest and vulnerable with others so that we can experience the fullness of life that you offer to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.